We continue on in our series in 1 Corinthians. I'm just excited this morning on our fifth Sunday of, of the month, and when we have five Sundays in the month, we have our uh, elementary age kids, uh, kindergarten through fifth grade, they come and join us in worship. And it's a great opportunity for our kids to sit with us and see and grow in their worship and know how to worship and to uh, see that and that modeled in us as parents as well. And so we're just uh, glad that they are a part of this morning's worship service. And so this morning, I'm just excited as we... Uh, Again, continue through this series in, in 1 Corinthians, Gospel Unity, the Answer to uh, Confusion. This morning's sermon title is Message, Spiritual Growth and Maturity Needed. And so I wanted to start off with a story for you guys this morning. It's a true story. It's about a, a girl named Wendy. Wendy, she has the typical dreams owned by a typical high school student. Uh, she wants to make friends. She wants to join some clubs. She wants to even become a cheerleader. And eventually and ultimately, she wants to graduate and make a living for herself and her future family. There's only one problem. Wendy is 33 years old. She's 33 years old and she stole her daughter's identity to re-enroll into school. That's right, 33-year-old Wendy enrolled in Ashwaubenon High School, not far from Green Bay, under the guise that she is a 15-year-old transfer student from Pahrump, Nevada. She attended cheerleading practice even before school started and acted in the demeanor that was consistent for a high school girl, according to sources. Teachers say that she was not very good in math and acted very emotional when questioned about the tragedy of having to move away from home. Wendy has had a history of identity theft in her past, and she was arrested for this felony. So if you're thinking about trying to go back to school, it is a felony uh, to impersonate a 15-year-old and re-enroll into school, so don't do that. This was a true story, and she was convicted for, uh, in 2012 for this crime. But the question is, how can this happen? But more importantly, why would this happen? I am so, man, I, I'm done with school. Like, I, am, I don't want to go back to school. I, every, every, uh, t every year they go, you know what I don't have to do today? I don't have to go to school today. All right. Uh, I, I am so thankful that I'm done with it. Like, why would this happen? Like, why, could a trouble, why would a troubled adult wish to revisit her youth and attempt to pull off a gaffe like this one in northern Wisconsin? Brown is her last name. She says that, she had no childhood and was trying to regain a part of her life she missed. But in reality, Brown was wishing to circumvent her adulthood maturity and live a life on a basis of what makes her happy rather than what makes a person responsible. In other words, she was refusing to grow up. So this morning, as we continue in this 1 Corinthians, uh, we're going to look at chapter 3 this morning, uh, verses 1 through 9. And you can read along on the screen with me if you'd like, or you can look it up in your uh, app or on your phone as well. Or if you have your Bible, you can do that too. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 9. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? 
servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. My first point I want to point out to you guys this morning is that some believers are spiritually immature. Some believers are spiritually immature. Verses 1 and 2, the first part of 2. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. See, these people, the, the Corinthians that Paul is addressing here, and you see, when, as we talk about this, um, Paul is addressing the Corinthian church here. But as we've mentioned several times throughout this series, uh, that there is a big parallel between uh, the Corinthian church and today. And so as we talk and we hear from Paul, uh, he is, is, is addressing us today as well. And so when we, we hear this, he's talking to the Corinthians. And to some extent, the people are acting and thinking according to the flesh. Someone who can... And should do differently, but does not. Of course, the flesh does not dominate every part of their life, or they wouldn't have any evidence of being a believer, of being born again. Paul is addressing the issue where they are clearly thinking and acting in a fleshly manner. See, these people, uh, they were immature in their faith. And a little bit later, we're going to go through and what that looks like. Uh, but they were, not act, they were acting according to what they wanted. What I want, me, myself, and I, that's what's important. And Paul is saying, you're believers, but you're acting like infants. I had to feed you with milk, for you're not ready for solid food. You're not ready for the heavier stuff. And the second point I wanted to point out to you this morning is that long-time believer does not always mean mature believer. You see, there's, there was people in the church that had just accepted Christ, and they were infants, and they didn't know better, and, that was, and Paul was not talking to them. Paul was talking to, uh, he was talking to them, but he was, he was not addressing them in this, this case. And so what, what he's saying is, uh, you've, some of you have been believers for a really long time and you're still acting like infants. In the second part of two, he says this, and even now you are not ready for you are still of the flesh for while there was, there's jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Paulus, are you not being merely human? He said, you see, it's the Corinthian church, instead of walking in the Spirit, and that means, walking in the Spirit means uh, that the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and lives inside of us, and the Holy Spirit enables us uh, by producing in us a strong desire to live according to his purpose and will in our lives. Uh, and so the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and guides us and directs us. We still live in an earthly body. We still live in a fallen body. But the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us and gives us direction, gives us guidance in which and how to live. 
And so Paul is saying, you've got the Holy Spirit, but you're not walking like it. You came to claim to be believers. You claim to be believers for a long time, but you are acting like infants. You're not acting according to what you say you are. And so I'm having to feed you milk rather than feed you solid food. How do we know the spirit lives inside of us? The Bible tells us in several different places. Uh, but the one that, that I wanted to point out to you this morning is Ezekiel 36, 27. It says this, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. He, the Holy Spirit is put within us. When we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us and he gives us the direction to live our lives by and a strong desire to live in accordance to God's will. See, the Corinthian church were controlled by their, by their merely human nature, their human nature and impulses. They weren't living and walking by the Spirit. Again, this does not mean that they weren't Christians, only that they haven't grown in their spiritual maturity very much. They're merely spiritual infants in Christ. Most of us think babies are cute, right? Uh, for the most part, right? Uh, babies are babies are cute and adorable, right? Uh, and and as as a uh, before before McKenna, McKenna was the second baby I ever held, uh, and so babies weren't a big big thing for me. And uh, but now as a uh, student and children's pastor, uh, I get to hold babies uh, more often, right? And so it, they're, they're cute, they're 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 fun, they're just they're adorable, right? Um, however, when a five or six year old acts like a baby, or even an adult acts like a baby, they are just pitiful and really frustrating. You ever have a six-year-old act like a, a, a baby? That's frustrating. Have you ever had an adult act like a baby? That's even more frustrating, more annoying, right? Paul says, you know, it, it, it's one of these things like we see these cups up here and everybody would expect me as, as, as a pastor and elder here at, at Fellowship of Grace to, to grab, uh, grab my Cardinal's mug and, and take a drink uh, from this, right? Uh, but then it just becomes awkward if I just decide to go, no, I'm going to take the bottle and uh, drink from the bottle, right? These things are really hard to drink from, by the way. Um, uh, I don't know how babies do it. Like, they're really good at that. Uh, I'm not. Uh, but... Man, it's just awkward. I just sat up here and just drank from this the rest of the time. You'd be like, what is he doing? Uh, right? And so it just, it doesn't fit right. It doesn't seem right. But you see the church at Corinth, who are still acting like babies, not cute at all. Paul says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, a baby's diet, and you're still not ready. You're still not, you're not up to the sippy cup. You're not up to the, the plastic uh, cup from a pizza place in Oklahoma. It's really good if you ever go. Um, uh, or, or even a coffee mug. You're not, you're not ready. So Paul's trying to show the Corinthians here that they need to grow up and change their behavior. Paul's simply telling them to grow up. Grow up! Stop acting like infants. You know better. You've heard better. So 
So the third point we see this morning is that we are meant to grow in our faith. We are meant to grow in our faith. Verse five, when, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed. As the Lord assigned to each, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. You see, we're meant to grow. We're meant to grow in our faith. God didn't design us just to stay, uh, become infants in Christ and, and stay there. He designed us to grow in our faith. He designed us to, to mature in our faith. So then what does that look like for us? What does that look like for the church? What does that look like for today's church? And so this morning, I want us to take a little bit of time and look at what those things look like for us today. And so I have this uh, wheel up here, and it, there's a lot on there. And if you want to look this up later, you can look it up. It's called the Real Discipleship, uh, uh, Real Life Discipleship Wheel, and uh, uh, you can do that. But this is the, off to the side over here is the uh, basic large parts of each one of these uh, sections in the in the wheel. Uh, but it, I'm going to go through these this morning with you. Uh, the, we st- all start off spiritually dead. We all start off spiritually dead. Romans 5.12, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Uh, in this, uh, spiritually dead people are unbelieving and they're rebellious. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in the church. They don't believe uh, of what uh, Christ did uh, on the cross. And so with the spiritually dead, uh, we are to share the gospel with the spiritually dead. You see this, uh, the little red line there that says where they're born again. Uh, Within that top little circle next to that, it says share the gospel. We are to share the gospel with the spiritually dead. So what is the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus Christ came and lived on this earth. He lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, rising from the grave three days later, later ascending into heaven, defeating death on our behalf so that we can put our faith and trust in him and have eternal life in heaven. That's in that first little part there uh, of that whole wheel is spiritually dead and unbelief. Then we are born again, we are made new. We are made a new life by putting our faith and trust in Jesus. So then at that point, we become spiritual infants. So we then begin take take from the bottle. We can begin to drink milk, spiritual milk, You see, infants, like real life, I'm going to parallel uh, real life to also our spiritual life. So infants, uh, in real life, they don't know anything other than to cry and go to the bathroom. That's what they know, right? They know your face. They know know some things, but they're they're very unknowledgeable about life. They're confused, and they are very dependent. Your baby can't get up and go change their own diaper or go make themselves dinner, right? Uh, That would be cool, but... It's not going to happen, right? Uh, Babies and infants are very dependable. Just much like a uh, spiritual infant, uh, they are unknowledgeable about God's word. They're unknowledgeable about where, uh, what things mean and and talk about. And they, they tend to be more confused about things. And they depend to be very dependent upon others when it comes to spiritual growth. So what do we need to do for spiritual infants? As somebody that may be further down, you may be maybe further down on the line, you can begin to share your story and your life with them, what God has done for you. Much like an infant, you share your life with them and, and begin to impart your 
uh, uh, I, your, your thoughts and wisdom into their lives. You begin to share new truths with them. You get to share them, hey, how do you walk? This is, this is how you walk. This is how you balance. This is how you go about life. This is how you do this in your spiritual life as well. Uh, new believers come along uh, and, and somebody, hey, this is how you walk as a Christian. We call that discipleship, right? We're, we're, we're discipling them to grow in their walk and their faith. You share new habits with them. Their old habits are in the way and we need to share new habits with them. As just much like an infant, we, we, we begin to show them habits to live that are good, that are, that are appropriate for life, right? Uh, and, and just like our spiritual life, we, we share new habits with, uh, with a new believer, with a spiritual infant, Then we move on to our spiritual childhood, right? The sippy cup represented there. You see, spiritual children, spiritual child, they tend to be self-centered. It's about me. They tend to be prideful. They tend to be, uh, I want what I want when I want it. I want it now. They tend to have a very low self, view of self. I can't do this. I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. Much like a, much like a child, uh, I, I know uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, McKenna's now at the age where uh, I, I don't know how to do that. I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. Yes, you do. You, you, you can do this, right? There's, there's a low sense of self. Uh, just much like a, a spiritual child, I can't share the gospel. I don't know how to share that. I can't do that. I can't go invite this person to church. I can't talk spiritual things with this person. They tend to be interdependent. They, they tend to be able to want to do things on their own and can do a lot of things on their own, uh, but they still need somebody there to guide them, to, to direct them, to uh, show them ways of doing things. Now, they're not going to go cook a gourmet meal, right, as a, as a child, uh, but they can. Uh, a, couple, a couple weeks ago, uh, uh, McKenna decided she was going to make breakfast for us. And so uh, she went into the kitchen, uh, got the toaster out, uh, and plugged it in, unbeknownst to us, uh, and, uh, and uh, got in the freezer, pulled out waffles, uh, and put the waffles in and pushed, pushed the button down. Um, she was dependent enough, independent enough to be able to do those things, but she was still interdependent in the fact that when I came in, uh, I said, what are you doing? Uh, making breakfast. I was like, okay. And I was like, do you know what else do you need? And you need butter and you need syrup for the waffles. Uh, and oh, I can't get those because they're up in the tall cabinet and in the refrigerator in the back, right? So she needed help getting those things out of the, the fridge. And so she was still interdependent, right? Uh, and so there, there's a sense of that with, with a new believer as well. They're still needing guidance. They're still, they're still able to do some things on their own, but they're still needing uh, guidance. So we look at the fact that um, you look at uh, children as new believers. Uh, we have kids zone and we have people. And so we begin to connect them to God. We do that with new believers we, and spiritual children. We connect them with God. We point out spiritual truths in God's word uh, that say, hey, this is what God's word says. Uh, this is how it applies to your life. And so you begin to connect them to God and connect that, right? And then they also begin to connect to others. Spiritual children connect to others. Um, 
in, in, within church and you, they want to come to church and they, they start to go to church on their own and they start to do things on their own and they, they make a point to, to be, at, be at church on Sunday morning, right? They make a, a point to sign up for community groups. They make a point to uh, sign up for core groups and be a part of those things and, and to be there and do those things. And, and, uh, but there's still a level of, of, uh, of guidance that comes there of saying, hey, why don't you come along? Why don't you be a part of this? Why don't you do this, right? Uh, and then you begin to connect them with the purpose and what the purpose for the church is and, and, and what the purpose of sharing the gospel is, right? Uh, and then next we move on to uh, being a spiritual young adult, so we move on to our, our uh, plastic. I, well, I wanted to bring a glass cup, but we don't have very many in our house because we break them accidentally in our house. But um, but uh, moves on to a little bit more open lid cup and, and just a little bit more uh, independence there. Uh, spiritual young adults tend to be very action and service oriented. They tend to be very zealous, very God-centered, other-centered, very mission-minded, very independent. They can go make they can go make dinner, right? They can they can do that. They're, they can uh, as a, as a young adult they can they can feed them. But I remember as a young adult uh, moving out I, in college I was pretty much uh, on my own after college. But man, there was a lot of times I called mom and dad, asked questions. First time I had to go uh, get the tags renew my car, I was like I don't know how to do that. Uh, and so I had to call my dad. Hey, how dad, dad? How do you do this? What am I supposed to do? Right? There's still a sense of, there's still, there is independent, uh, but guess what? They have a lot to learn. Just like a young adult, a spiritual young adult, I mean, they are, they are on fire. They love God. They're, they're, they're God-centered, other-centered, mission-minded, but they still have a long way to go. They have a lot to learn. They have a lot to rely on, a lot of questions, a lot of, a lot of thoughts, a lot of, a lot of comments. And so when they begin to walk in their lives, their spiritual lives, uh, they have uh, several things that they need to, uh, to learn and to, to, to go about doing, right? They could cook a meal, uh, but they're like, uh, how long do I boil an egg for? Like, or how long do I cook this for? I remember there were several times, uh, even though I grew up learning how to cook from my mom and, and my grandma, uh, there were still times where I'm like, I want to make this, but I'm not really sure. And at the time we didn't have Google, uh, to look it up. And, uh, and so I would, I would call my mom, Hey mom, how, how, how do I do this? Right. Um, and so there's still a sense of, I need a lot. I, there's a lot for me to learn. So what do we do with uh, spiritual young adults and how do we, how do we see them uh, move? We begin to say, uh, hey, this is how you do ministry. This is how you do church. This is how you uh, live life. And, and so uh, you begin to equip them for ministry. You begin to uh, bring them under your wing and say, hey, I wanna, I wanna teach you how to do this. I wanna teach you how to share the gospel. I wanna teach you how to, how to lead. I wanna teach you how to uh, do these things. I'm gonna equip them for ministry. Then we provide them ministry opportunities. Say, you're, you're a young adult and you're believing uh, and I'm super excited for you and you're growing your faith. Uh, here's a kid's own ministry. We want to have you start to help and help lead and help 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 in the rooms, right? Uh, our student ministry, we, we want to help you do that. We want to help you with, we want to have you uh, help with first impressions. We want to help you, have you help on worship team. We want to have you help uh, with cleaning the building. We, there's, there's several different opportunities and provide them ministry opportunities to do and grow. And then as all young adults in life, uh, we let them go. We send them off, hopefully, right? Um, and we, we see them go out of the house, just like, our spirit, just like in the real life, we want to see our, we want to release our spiritual young adults to do ministry. 
This brings us to spiritual parent. Our, our coffee cup here, spiritual parent. Spiritual parents are reproduction-minded. They want to reproduce themselves in somebody else so that they can go and reproduce themselves in somebody else as well. Much like real-life parents, we want to reproduce our thoughts, minds, and we want to, we want to, have, we want to have a child. We want to, uh, then we, once we have a child, we want to see ourselves reproduced in them and grow and, and see them and send them out. Uh, they are reproduction-minded Spiritual parents are self-feeding. Um, I have no problem walking to my kitchen, opening the fridge, making myself something to eat, and, uh, and being filled, right? Uh, much like a spiritual parent, I can go, I have no problem going and self-feeding and, and getting in God's word and feeding myself and, and, and getting to church to hear words and, getting to, and, and doing those things and, and being a part of uh, the body of, of Christ, right? Uh, spiritual parents are mission-minded, they're team-minded, they're very dependable, and they're very intentional about how they live their lives. Spiritual parents, there's, there's a disconnect a lot between spiritual young adult and then becoming a spiritual parent, a lot of us are stuck in somewhere where it's a, the spiritual infant through the spiritual uh, young adult. And we never find our way into being a spiritual parent. Spiritual parent has been somebody who has put their, put their time and effort into leading somebody else to Christ. And seeing them grow and disciple them. So what is this parents, spiritual parent supposed to do in today's culture? Oh, we're supposed to explain the discipleship process and, and walk through the discipleship process with somebody, invest in somebody's life and seeing them come to Christ. And we begin to uh, put our uh, efforts into discipling them and seeing them grow and, and going through that process. And then we, uh, not only do we do that, then we engage in that, and, but then we model that in our own lives. That when you say to a, a spiritual infant through uh, young adult, we say, hey, this is the way you're supposed to live your life. And, and it, doesn't stop at, it doesn't stop at accepting the gospel. It keeps growing and you gotta grow in your faith and you gotta keep going in that. And you gotta, you gotta find your way to the point where you're reproducing yourself into somebody else as well. And you model that in your own life by investing in somebody else's life with that. You model in that in your own life so you invest your kids' lives in that. I didn't know what, my dad was a pastor, uh, and, and my mom was just, they, they loved the church, they were in the church, my grandparents like were, were pastors, and, 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 and like just, I have this model in my life of what a pastor is, uh, but man, I didn't know what discipleship was. And so we must model that for our kids, we must model that for other people as well. And so, what should we do now, then we should release disciples and release them to go make other disciples. And be consistent about that, going over and over and over through that. With that knowledge, then what should we do? We need to take action and grow in our maturity. We should take action and grow in maturity. Verse 8 says this, He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. We must take action. You see, spiritual growth requires action. We must be planting and we must be watering 
others spiritually, but also ourselves. In order to move from spiritual infants to spiritual parents, we have to exercise and nourish our faith daily. You get what you put into it. If you practice these things daily, you're going to see growth. And you, and you'll see the fruits of your labor and others as well. You see, if I stuck with just drinking this, much easier, by the way. Um, if I stick with this, and I'm like, or I stick here, and I don't ever, like, if I just focus on drinking one meal, and that meal is when I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, I'm going to be pretty empty. I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to move forward. I'm not going to see the fruits of what God's called us to do in other people's lives and to invest in other people. It's still going to look pretty silly being down here. I mean, even, even you know, going, going through this and, and becoming a spiritual parent is what we're meant to do. And it takes work. It takes effort. It takes daily getting to God's word. It takes daily investing in other people. I can't do that. I don't, I don't know how to do that. Well, you're here. Let's move here so that way we can get here, Right? You get what you put into it. You're going to grow if you put work into it. You see, um, several years ago, or not several years, several years ago, I was just, uh, just weight-wise, I just was too big. Uh, and uh, this la- a year ago, um, I uh, started the journey of losing weight, and I've lost a lot of weight. Now that I've lost all the weight that I've lost, um, I really want to start maintaining and keeping that and keeping, keeping my body the way, the way that I want it. And so I began working out, and I started working out once or twice a week. Uh, and now I'm, I'm at the place where I'm wanting to work out three to four times a week. And, um, man, that takes work. It takes effort. And then I'm finding that my schedule isn't working right, and, and so I'm like, what, the gym's open 24 hours. Uh, so I just got to manage it. So I started getting up at 5 instead of at 6. And going into the gym and work, it takes work. It takes effort to grow, right? It takes effort to, 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 to maintain. And to, even just to maintain, it takes work. Physically, it takes work. So spiritually, if, if we're having to maintain our body, we're having to eat meals every day to maintain our body and effort, so how much more than we need our spiritual body as well? And so we need to grow. We need to work. We need to take the effort to put into our spiritual development, our spiritual maturity. And finally, this morning, I want us to look at this. We are all in this together. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. We are all in this together with all the people and the things God uses in our lives. If we are to mature spiritually, we must focus on him. We've got to stop living for ourselves and live for God. If you are a believer, infant through a parent, we are all fellow workers with God. The Corinthians were struggling with things like jealousy and strife, struggles that come out of our selfishness, me, myself, and I. 
over you. We must fight our pride in this every day. It's hard to go in that direction daily, but when we do and we humble ourselves and depart from the sin in our lives, changing our focus to pursue on God and give him all the glory, we must work together. When this happens, we're gonna start seeing spiritual growth and maturity come into our lives. Church, let's grow up together. Let's grow up together. Let's pray. God, just thank you for this day. Thank you for just allowing us to be in your word this morning. God, I just pray that uh, as we go out this week that we will uh, really begin to focus on um, what you have for our lives and what you have for us on a daily basis. God, I just pray that uh, we won't neglect feeding ourselves, that we won't neglect growing on our spiritual maturity, that we will make the effort to do that each and every day. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.